Yeah, good evening, good evening, good evening. Welcome to Monday's Richie Allen Show. Hope you had a good weekend. Are you well? You are, you are. Don't come crying to me. Don't bitch to me. We've all got our crosses. Yes, it's um, it's an interest. It's been an interesting day. I think it'll be an interesting program. Thanks for finding me. Leave me a message during the program at richieallen.co.uk where it says comment live. It's the BBG, not the BBC. This is your Richie Allen show, live from the magnificent city of Salford. It's the Richie Allen Show, broadcasting live on richieallen.co.uk and multiple platforms around the world. And now, here's your host, Richie Allen. Yeah, it is me, the one and only, the one and only. It is uh, the 24th of October, 2022. It's Monday's program. It's dark. Hey, tell me, tell me this. Should, should you be concerned when leaves are falling off of trees and getting... Well, getting all over your automobile. Should you be concerned about that? Is that the level today, Richie? It is, it is. We're going to talk about automotive things. No, we're not. But you know, leaves falling off trees, once they get under the bonnet of a car, can they do any damage to the engine? Or am I just paranoid? It could be me. We'll talk about far more important things than that this Monday. You and me. I might even, a little bit later on, I might even take one or two phone calls from you. Hey, 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 there's a surprise. I might do that. Yes, lots coming up on the programme this week, lots and lots of guests this week, lots by the way, but today it's you and me, it's you and it's me, and I suppose there's only one place to start, the UK has, not quite yet, got itself a new Prime Minister, but it won't be long, Rishi Sunak, Dishi Rishi Sunak, whose real name is Diwali Sunak, which means, Diwali means very wise man very wise man, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer, one-time friend of Boris Bojo Johnson, has, 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 has basically, uncontested, has taken the role of leader of the Conservative Party for himself and, of course, he will go and see the King, he'll have to go to King Charles, where he'll be invited to form a government, a cabinet and what not. You'll have to go to the king, and there shouldn't be any awkward silences like there was when Liz Truss went to see the king. Do you remember that, when Liz Truss and Charles, very awkward silence there. But uh, Rishi has got plenty in common with the new king, not least their outsized shell-likes. Yeah, Dishy Rishi gives old jug ears a run for his money there. You see the size of their ears, both of them. They both use shower heads as cotton buds. So they'll have something to talk about anyway. Did you ever think about getting yours pinned back, did you? I didn't, Your Majesty, did you? Kind of a thing. That's the level today. Let's hear from Sky News political editor Beth Rigby. She thinks it's a monumental day. It's momentous. Here's Beth. What a moment this is. Rishi Sunak, uh, he was down and out July. Uh, he was out of Cabinet. He was back on the back benches. There were questions about whether or not he would even remain as a Prime Minister. He now becomes the youngest Prime Minister since the Napoleonic Wars at the end of the 18th century. Pitt the Younger was the only one that was younger than him. I think he's just 42 years old, even younger than me, sadly for me, huh? 
uh, he is the first British Asian Prime Minister. He's the first practicing Hindu as Prime Minister. This really is a groundbreaking moment uh, for the country in so many ways. But it's also well, well, maybe not because the country didn't elect him. Not that it would make any difference whatsoever. His his colleagues in Westminster placed him in the position he's in. The, the public didn't vote for him. Maybe it would be a Barack Obama-type moment, maybe, if uh, he'd won a mandate, but he hasn't. So controversial, because he has been made Prime Minister, the third uh, uh, Conservative Prime Minister since the 2019 general election. We have Boris Johnson, then Liz Truss, then Rishi Sunak. Uh, Opposition parties are saying this is not acceptable. He doesn't have a mandate to take over, uh, and they are calling for a general election. I think Rishi Sunak's message will be to try and beat that off. Uh, his message will be uh, that he will lead according to the 2019 manifesto. One of Liz Truss's big mistakes uh, was to try and divert from a manifesto uh, with her parliamentary party saying, hang on a minute, Liz Truss, you don't have the mandate. So we haven't heard what uh, Rishi saying to MPs now. I imagine he will be talking about what he intends to do on the economy. What's he going to do on the Northern Ireland Protocol Bill? You saw earlier that the European Research Group, that's a big part of uh, what they care about. What's he going to do on immigration policy? What's he going to do on tax and spend? And how is he going to unite the party? The first thing I think for MPs will be politically uh, whether or not he creates that broad uh, church within his cabinet. Yeah, broad church within his cabinet. Covenant. Would you like to hear from the from the incumbent, the uh, the prime minister in waiting? Here he is in his first public address, Rishi Sunak. Here he is. I've spoken to the prime ah, minister that's not him, is it? Ah, be Jesus. <laughs> the best laid plans of mice and radio producers. Let's let's try again, and this time let's hope we get it right. Ah, there you are. No, for some reason it won't play that little bit of audio that I downloaded just for you. But I think I might be able to do it now. Hang on, hang on. You ready, dear listener? I'd like to pay tribute to Liz Truss for her dedicated public service to the country. She has led with dignity and grace. My God. Through a time of great change and under exceptionally difficult circumstances, both at home and abroad. I am humbled and honoured to have the support of my parliamentary colleagues and to be elected as leader of the Conservative and Unionist Party. It is the greatest privilege of my life to be able to serve the party I love and give back to the country I owe so much to. The United Kingdom is a great country, but there is no doubt we face a profound economic challenge. We now need stability and unity, and I will make it my utmost priority to bring our party and our country together, because that is the only way we will overcome the challenges we face and build a better, more prosperous future for our children. He's not much of an actor, is he? And our grandchildren. I pledge that I will serve you with integrity and humility, and I will work day in, day out to deliver for the British people. Yeah, it's pretty wooden. That's Rishi Sunak there. Dishy Rishi Sunak, the former Chancellor of the Exchequer, the man who will go to the palace and accept the invitation of the king to form 
government. It's all a bit weird and wonderful. Hey, Richard Tice, you know Richard Tice, Brexiteer, all that right-wing guy, uh, these days can be found presenting on Talk TV. Here he is. He says, well, there's no democracy here. There's got to be a general election. Democracy is dead in the United Kingdom. It's not even a coronation. The Prime Minister of this country has been acclaimed. He's not won a single vote. He has no electoral mandate. He's been acclaimed by about 160 Tory MPs. And that gives him the right to rule over 70 million people in supposedly the mother of all democracies. He has no mandate to do what he is about to do, which is to impose ever higher taxes, more wasteful bloated government spending, a, a deep programme of austerity, which is exactly the same as what Keir Starmer would do, by the way. So they are one and the same. He has no mandate whatsoever particularly when that is totally unnecessary if you carry out the right programme to take our country forward. He has to call an ele- a general election, and in my view, Ian, he should do so now. This, is, this has never been more serious. This is a sham. You couldn't... If you wrote this in a fiction book, Ian, people would say, don't be ridiculous, that yeah. can't happen in somewhere like the UK. Yeah. Now, th- I, it, it is my contention that there will be a general election either in December, maybe not so likely, or in in the early part of next year. Now, I know a number of you have been in touch to say, come on, Richie, the turkeys don't vote for Christmas and all of that if the polls are so bad for the Conservative Party, if they are languishing so far behind the Labour Party, why in the name of God would Rishi Sunak go to the palace and ask the king for permission to go to the country? That's a very good question, and it would be a brilliant question if indeed Rishi Sunak was in charge of anything, but I don't believe he is. And I I believe it has already begun in the media, and I did predict this last week, that the media would be relentless in demanding that Sunak calls a general election because Truss was in for six weeks and Johnson had to resign because of all the lies about the parties. So if you believe that I'm right, and I'm not always right, of course I'm not even often right, and that these people are not in charge of anything and they take orders, well then it's very possible that pressure will be brought to bear on Sunak from his bosses to call an election that he might think personally is a suicidal move. So I think that probably will happen sooner rather than later. I thought they had enough time to call it to give them six, seven weeks worth of campaigning time to have the election around about the 8th or the 15th of December, but it might be in the new year. The clamour for it is growing louder and louder and louder. Why do people trust the political process? Why do they vote? Why do they, every two years or four years or five years, whether it's local elections or or whether it's general elections, why? Why do they vote despite the fact, or in spite of the fact, despite the fact, in spite, despite, it's despite, that it has never achieved anything for them in their lives? Why do they keep going back? Every party that ever entered government deviated from the manifesto the following day. The manifesto is the list of promises given to the public by the would-be government, the campaigning parties. Here's our manifesto. This is what we will do when we win the election. It's full of wonderful promises, usually, on education, on health care, 
more police, more nurses, more affordable homes. We'll build millions of affordable homes that will be owned by the state and that will be affordable for people who can't afford to buy a house. This stuff goes out the fucking window the day after the election result. It always has done. Why then are folks more likely to engage with it than ever before? Is it social media? Is it social media and the legacy media combined? Why, dear listener, why do they believe if they replace the current shower of dickheads, that's the Conservative government, with the other shower of dipsticks sitting across from them, why do they believe that their lives will be better? Why? I'm going to attempt to answer that question for you in a moment just after we take a little cut of music. Just a little cut of music. I'm Richie Allen, by the way. Welcome to Monday's Richie Allen Show. Yes, and number one for the Supremes, as in Diana Ross and the Supremes. uh, Phil Collins did a pretty good job on it, didn't he? In 1982, 40 years ago. Can you believe it? It's quarter past five. Richie Allen with you too. God knows when today... Thanks for your comments. I will be going to them, and I'll be going to them right soon. But I want to—I want to touch on this. It's a theme that is a recurring one on this program. Why? Why are they more engaged than ever before? Why? And I wanted to take a little look, a little trip down memory lane, at what politicians and governments have overseen in the recent decades in the UK alone. Right? Although much of what I'm going to discuss works for most countries. It isn't exclusive to the UK. I mean, the war stuff, you know, you're talking the UK and you're talking the United States predominantly, but most of it. Why, in the light of everything that's gone on in the last few decades, why do they believe that it will be better next time? And I do want your input here, please. So do get involved through the website, comment live, richieallen.co.uk. Now, this is in no chronological order. No chronological order. Here are some things that I have spent a lot of time talking about during my career as a radio broadcaster. Selling off the family silver. Selling off the family silver is like slang. It's like a metaphor for selling the assets of a country. Now, successive governments in this country, none of this is party-specific, none of this stuff. None of this can be laid. The blame for this cannot be laid squarely at the door of any political party. In fact, that's moot anyway, because political parties are not in control of anything. They take their orders, they deliver those orders to us through the medium of television and through the day-to-day workings or the day-to-day goings-on at Westminster. They sold off the family silver. They handed over the country's assets for pennies on the pounds, to pound even, pennies on the pound to global corporations. Everything was sold off. Gas and electric, the railways, the buses, the roads, the forests, the water, everything. They sold off UK stock in blue chip companies, often when they were warned not to do it because the stock was going to increase in value very soon. Now, this is criminality, like Eurostar. Remember when George Osborne was told not to sell the UK stake in Eurostar because the company's stock was going to go through the roof as new routes were opened up around Europe? Remember? But he sold it off anyway. 
So all that stuff, the railways, the buses, the roads, the forest, the gas and electric, the water, all of that could be earning very nicely for the Treasury right now, but no. They wrecked the National Health Service. Wrecked it. Today, there are fewer than half the beds in this country than there were in 1989. You will have heard me say that before on this programme. Imagine it, less than half the beds today than there were in 1989, despite the fact there are 8 million more people living in this country now, in the UK. Imagine it. How do you do that? They've all done it. Again, that's not party specific, right? They broke the unions. All political parties, from Thatcher to Major to Blair to Brown to Cameron to May to, to, to Johnson, all political parties passed laws to water down unions and to weaken workers' rights, or to weaken unions and to water down workers' rights, all of them. They allowed companies to humiliate the working man and woman by imposing zero-hours contracts on them. I'm not going to get into the bedroom tax. They bailed out banks and bankers. This was Gordon Brown and Tony Blair, but mostly Gordon Brown. Banks and bankers who defrauded millions of people out of their pensions and savings. 2008. They didn't bail people out, they bailed the bankers out. And what did they do then? Well, they borrowed fictitious money from other bankers or banksters to bail out the criminals, heaping even more debt on working people like you and me. This is what they did. This is Labour, but again with the support of the Conservative Party. They joined in the slaughter of tens of millions of people around the world. Iraq, Afghanistan, Libya, Yemen, Syria. They created a migrant crisis which again fucks the ordinary man and woman where the sun doesn't shine. More competition for work, for healthcare, for appointments and school places for kids and all of that. Do you remember those pledges in their manifestos? No, you don't, because they weren't in their fucking manifestos. Because when they go around the country in their fancy buses to their hustings, they don't say, vote for us and we'll kill a million people in Iraq. Vote for us, we'll kill Muammar Gaddafi in Libya and we'll fuck the whole region right up. Vote for us, number one, vote for us. They don't say vote for us and we'll sell off the family silver. Vote for us and we'll bail out banksters who lost your pensions. Casino banksters, we'll bail them out and we'll screw you with the debt. No, they don't say that. They say we'll build houses, we'll build hospitals. We'll make it nice for children. We'll make everything hunky-dory. It'll be like... It'll be like it'll be like an Enid Blyton novel. It'll be butterflies and rabbits and bunny rabbits and hares skipping around. It'll be all lovely. They don't tell you that. They imposed lockdowns on healthy people three years ago, two years ago, ruining countless lives, fucking up children, didn't they? Didn't they? Threatening people with vaccine mandates, arresting people for walking in the countryside. The vaccine mandates, despite the fact they knew the jabs were untested, unproven and probably dangerous, but they, they, they threatened the mandates anyway. The same politicians today, in my opinion, are aware that in this country alone, in my opinion, the jabs are responsible for hundreds of thousands of injuries and probably tens of thousands of deaths. But what are they doing today? Today they're telling you to go and get a booster and get your flu jab while you're at it, even though the flu jabs don't work 90 or 95% of the time. That's a fact. That's not conjecture. 
Nine out of ten times they give you a flu jab in the winter. It's for the wrong fucking strain. They admit this later on. Why do they keep going back and voting for these people? Why? What, 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 what more do they need to do? Through membership of the European Union's common agricultural policy, the UK now imports nearly half of its food. Which, which what? Which what? Which what? Over there, you at the back. Yes, it leaves the country vulnerable to shocks like the Ukraine situation. Importing nearly half of your food because you got into the common agricultural policy and you agreed that it was important to take farmers off land to tackle climate change, which isn't happening, and to help the sustainable management of natural resources and all that rewilding shit. And now you're importing half your food and prices are skyrocketing and it's killing people. Politicians did this, but they didn't really. They were told to do it. They write manifestos. We'll do this, we'll do that. It'll be lovely around here. It'll be absolutely gorgeous around here. It'll be like a sitcom. It'll be fantastic. The things we'll do for, for housing and education, but then they go and do this stuff. But they did, did no mention of any of this in the manifestos, you see. And yet people still go back to them. They can't wait to get Keir Starmer into number 10 Downing Street in the misguided belief that he's going to save them from skyrocketing prices in supermarkets and skyrocketing energy bills. He'll do it. Of course he won't do it. No chance. What did they do? They impose higher and higher rates of taxation on you and on me while hardly touching billionaires and global corporations. Most Tories and Labour MPs are members of Friends of Israel groups. They don't talk about that in the manifesto. I'm going to join the Friends of Israel groups. There's a Conservative Friends of Israel, the Lib Dem Friends of Israel, the Labour Friends of Israel. Who'd be a friend of a despotic apartheid and wholly Ill illegitimate state where Palestinians are routinely murdered by the IDF, where children are imprisoned and tortured and where every couple of years planes are flown over Gaza, bombs are dropped and hundreds if not thousands of people are killed. These are your politicians. These are your politicians. All that shit that I just said, that's what they enable. That's what they facilitate. That's the agenda they serve. Well, telling you, Prior to the election or elections, this is what we're going to do. It's going to be, it's going to be hunky dory here. It's going to be, I don't know. Think of the Smurfs. It's going to be like that. It's going to be wonderful. Blue skies, happy days. Everybody's got a job. Loads of money. We'll do it. Everything's going to be great. Then they go and do all this stuff. I was thinking about this today. These days, they spend an awful lot of time or their time engaging in the psychological abuse of the population. People like you and me, it doesn't work on you. It doesn't work on me, but it works on most people. They've come up with the term gaslighting to describe this, you know, telling people they are racist, that they are homophobic, that they are transphobic because they won't accept that there is no such thing as a chick with a dick. There isn't, there couldn't be. You're mentally unwell, you're conspiracy theorists, pushing things like the online harms bill, pushing climate change, telling people that through living your everyday lives, just going about your business, just trying to get on, you are in fact killing the planet. That's what these people do. Why does the general public continue to go back to them? Every few years, what will it take before folks realise that they're wasting their time going to the ballot box? Is there anything that would shake people up, shake them from their slumber, to realise it doesn't matter a damn who sits in number 10 Downing Street or who 
uh, inhabits the Elise Palace or or who sits in the Oval Office. It doesn't matter a damn. The agenda proceeds anyway. There may have been a time when to preserve the illusion that after an election, the agenda might just slow down a little bit, but not these days. It just goes on and on and on. Now, interestingly enough, LBC Radio's James O'Brien, don't panic, we won't be hearing anything from him, really. Uh, he had, he's got an obsessional hatred of Boris Johnson, does O'Brien. So today, he brought a psychiatrist on the programme to explain why even though... Boris Johnson let people down time and time again. People keep going back to Johnson, right? This is interesting, but forget about Johnson. Imagine that the psychiatrist you're about to hear isn't talking about Johnson. That he's talking about folks going back to the system that fucks them over and over and over again. So he's talking about Johnson's fanboys and fangirls, but in reality, he's giving a not-too-shabby explanation as to why people keep going back to the ballot boxes every five years. From the perspective of, you know, those who keep voting for him and still hold him, I think this comes back to something quite fundamental in the psyche of a certain population, which is that, you know, people need to feel safe with a leader. And I think our capacity for denial of someone's less attractive traits can be astounding when we're anxious or frightened. And I think, you know, the scales you talk about, so, you know, a willingness to disregard delinquency, a power hungriness, etc., is quite spectacular. And it goes back to childhood. Nobody wants to feel that they're with a parent who's unsafe or breaks the rules. So I think our capacity to sort of shut off an aspect of reality can be very powerful, especially when we're frightened. Our capacity, let him repeat that rather than I repeat that. This is important. So I think our capacity to sort of shut off an aspect of reality... Shut off an aspect of reality... ...can be very powerful, especially when we're frightened. Especially when we're frightened. And what did they do in the last three years in particular? They scared the granny out of people with epic tales of 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 diseases, biblical plagues that would kill everybody and that would kill granny if the children got too close to them. Does that explain why people keep going back to these people despite the damage that these people have done to society. So I think this is one way it links both him and, both him and Trump. And, and of course that, 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 that promise of safety and security is based entirely on them constantly telling you about the enemies from which they're going to protect you, whether those enemies exist or not, whether it's, it's bureaucrats in Brussels or, or Muslims massed on the Mexican border. Yes, the, the utterly woke James O'Brien would mention you know, the right-wing peddling fear about Muslims and he would mention Brexit. But what about all the fear around COVID? What about all the fear around climate change? Far more powerful tales and stories. You know, they never attempted to scare people with um, stories about mass migration. Never in the same way that they have attempted to terrorise the population and particularly children about climate change and the Armageddon to come because of that. Right, they're talking about Johnson, but they might as well be explaining why people keep going back to the system that fucks them over and over and over again, and that gaslights them. You know, the cheek of O'Brien to say, you know, that the system is scaring people about Brexit and about Muslims. No, no, it's scaring people about Omicron sub-variants that are harmless, really. 
ramping that fear up for over the last week or two and the flu and how there'll be no beds and how your 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 elderly people might end up not being able to go to hospital if they need a bed and all that stuff. It's relentless. It's relentless is what it is. Will they ever learn, people? I don't believe so. I've talked about this on the show many times. I've seen a re-engagement with the political process in the last few years that I didn't think was possible. And I think it began with the placement of the puppet Donald Trump on the throne in Washington, D.C. That was central, I think. And even over here, getting Corbyn in, the momentum movement, and getting Corbyn into the into the Labour Party to lead the Labour Party, I think, again, it re-energised, revitalised people, it got people into it again, and I think social media plays a huge part in it. It should be the opposite. This is an inversion. We should be seeing people in their billions turning their back on these lunatics. But they're not. They're not. And I think the next chapter in the UK soap opera political system is a pretty quick general election and a return to power in a landslide victory for Labour. And it's at that point you'll see the agenda take off again. And uh, I, I want to get your thoughts on this. It's uh, richieallen.co.uk, comment live. The time is coming up for 28 and a half minutes to the top of the hour. Let me go to some of your comments now when I think of it. Lots more to come on the programme today. The website can be a little bit slow, especially Mondays, Tuesdays, when we have a lot of live listeners. Um, there's no point in me telling you this now, but, but do keep it in mind for later on. Do use TuneIn.com and do use FabRadioInternational.com, please. Um, Shambhala says, it's called being insane, Richie. People keep repeating the same process in the full expectation of differing outcomes. I'm not sure you can label the majority of the population as being insane, mate. I, I don't think so. Um, Al says, no matter who become, becomes the new PM, they all represent the World Economic Forum. The illusion of democracy has never been more thinly veiled than it is now. Thanks to Steve T for your very long post there, which I'm, I'm just not going to read. But thank you for, for that, because <laughs> I don't have time to read that out. Hi to uh, Baron Von Lotsov, who says, whichever mainstream party gets in, they turn into the government. It's time we look towards other parties. Um, that David Curtin fellow seems on the ball, and his manifesto is a great read. They remind me of the Solidarity Party in Poland as it brought down the globalists in the 1980s. And I just don't agree with any of that. I enjoy speaking with David Curtin on the programme. I'd like to have him on again, and I'm sure he will. But um, I don't believe that David Curtin's Heritage Party, if they were to be in government tomorrow, which they won't be, um, would, would, would make any difference, in my opinion. Millie says, doesn't matter who you vote for, the government always gets in. John says, Richie, I'd like to hear that rant played in the House of Commons and have Mr Scouser invite members comments that's uh, mr speaker presumably thanks john diane says richie you're spot on that's what they do you get it i get it most of our friends here get it but the majority don't listen to you and the majority dislike thinking you're absolutely right you're right they don't listen to me and, and that doesn't even matter 
even if they were to listen to me. I meet people who listen to me who've gone and had a third vaccine. A third jab, let's not call it a vaccine. I meet people who listen to me and they will go and vote for their local Labour candidate in Salford at the time of the next election. They will. Now, I respect that. You know, of course I do. I respect everybody's right to hold an opinion of their own and to disagree with me, of course. But 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 I just can't believe it. I don't mean, how can you listen to me and then go, no, no, but, but if, if you're listening to this stuff, well, then you must know that whatever else I've said over the years, this is 100% accurate. It has never changed this agenda. It has never mattered. People's lives have never improved the day after a new government uh, took office. The day after a new government takes office, nothing changes. It just gets progressively worse. And this is demonstrable. This this is not pie-in-the-sky conjecture. It gets worse time and time again. Woody says he crashed his family's WhatsApp last week, the WhatsApp group. People were suggesting it looked like trust was out and there'd be a general election. Lots of excited emojis. I said it makes no difference whatsoever. Two cheeks of the same arse, etc. It killed the thread dead. In conversation over the weekend, everyone tried to explain to me how I was wrong. I cannot believe how they still believe how they want to engage with this obvious theatre after all the shit we've been through, he says. Nothing changes for the better. Hi to William Henderson. Chris says we live in an, in an infantilised society. Most people want to be looked after from the cradle to the grave. By design, maybe? Wow. Alan says NHS has been a thorn in the cabal's paw since its inception. Thatcher began the destruction. Uh, Blair carried it on and we're in the final stages of it becoming an American-style shit system. Absolutely. Hi to Lucy in sunny Scotland. Hi Lucy. Hi to Baird. Baird says it's Stockholm Syndrome. The establishment and their system of control has long captured the masses. And they, the masses, have no choice but to grow to love their captor in order to stay in what seems, or sorry, in order to stay sane within the mass delusion. And hi to Bren and thanks for your message there. Faisal says, uh, I've been telling friends for the last week that there will be no vote for PM. My own poll of Conservatives had Penny Mordaunt as favoured and it was obvious that the powers that be wanted Sunak. Absolutely. Craig asks, uh, or says in his opinion, they keep voting the public because the public only focuses on the 2D surface information, on what they are presented with and nothing more. Uh, very good stuff, this. Uh, thank you. It's uh, richieallen.co.uk. Comment live, top of the menu bar, if you'd like to comment on the programme. Today, the time is fast approaching. 23 minutes to the top of the air. It's time for Robbie Williams. Is it? It is. Lots more of your comments and more chat after this. It's your Richie Allen Show, Monday's programme, live from Solver. Robbie Williams and Feel on the Richie Allen Show. Great tune, that. Love a bit of Robbie. Saw him at the uh, Etihad Stadium a few summers ago. Four summers ago, I think. Didn't expect it to be as good as it was. 
but it was good. In fact, you could say it was gooder than good back in 60 seconds. Cold, seasonal, flu and respiratory diseases. We all get them. Never before have your body's defences been under such constant attack. Now more than ever, it's essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immunex 365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Immunex 365 has been specifically formulated to maximise the effect of each ingredient, giving your immune system an optimum boost. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immunex 365 every day. UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show can use their special 15% discount code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now. Now with two-day track delivery free. You're listening to the saviour of independent media, Richie Allen. And you're very welcome back. Hi to Tim, who says that guests on the programme this week will be nice. They will be nice, Tim. I'm looking forward to the guests. And I will be looking forward to welcoming guests on the programme in the future. But I made a comment the other day, and I'm going to reiterate it. I'm not going to spend the next few months interviewing people day in, day out, who are telling us what we already know. Not going to do that, because if I do that, I will lose my fucking mind. And if I lose my fucking mind, I will not be inclined to come up here to the studio at five o'clock of an afternoon and do the programme. I'm planning to carry on with the programme um, for as long as I can, doing it Monday to Thursday and Sunday mornings, but I'm not doing that. I'm just not doing it. It's as simple as that. And I think anyone with a brain can understand that. So there will be days when I'll come on and I'll have a chat with you and I'll open the phone lines, we can have a natter and all of that. There will be days when I will do a 90-minute or a two-hour news roundup by myself and there will be days when there will be, will be two guests, like there was last Thursday. But I'm not listening to the same stuff every day, uh, because I'll just go crazy. And uh, that's not good. I'm going to protect myself, you see, a little bit. That's the plan. Okie dokie. Um, let's scroll on back there. A number of you have said that when you hear Sunak speak, you hear Blair speak. Yeah, I, I get that. And a couple of different takes on the leaves falling from the trees and maybe getting into your motor cars. Uh, Charlie says, Richie, my answer would be, it could be a problem. Leaves clog up drainage channels beneath the windscreen and can cause water to build up and flow to places where it shouldn't. I've had a battery flooded out because of leaves. He says, stay on top of it. Eamon, on the other hand, that's Eamon in Ireland, in God's country. Eamon says, nothing to worry about unless you're driving a Ferrari. I'm not driving a Ferrari, that's for sure. Would you buy a Ferrari if you had the money? I wouldn't. No, no, no. What would you buy if you had unlimited money? Um, Probably... I had a spin in a Bentley once. An old friend of ours, who was a very successful businessman, drove the future missus and myself from from Stansted Airport, right across London, to the other side of London, to, uh, to uh, where? Uh, Purley. Yeah, from Stansted to Purley. And he had a brand new Bentley motor car. Modest fella now. He was gen- generally modest, but uh, what a car. Jesus, like. So yeah, if you had unlimited funds, maybe a big £300,000 Bentley. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. 
let's move on. John says that uh, the fact real life substances and applications show wh- whatever the earth is, uh, it is level, says John. I oh, don't start with that fucking shit about flat earth. I couldn't give a fucking shit. It's uh, nearly quarter to six. John, don't take it personally. I just don't care. You know, it's the least of my concerns now. Whether the earth is flat or whether it isn't. Let's um, talk about something else momentarily. Speaking of the possible future Prime Minister, Sir, if you please, Keir Starmer of the Labour Party, he had uh, an interesting conversation this morning with LBC Radio's Nick Ferrari. Okay. Ferrari runs this segment called Ask the Leader (laughs) or Call Keir. It's a regular feature, apparently. A woman rang in, a real woman, and asked, would Eddie Izzard, the alleged comedian and alleged actor, am I being a bit unkind there? I've never found Eddie Izzard funny. As for his acting ability, I'm not qualified to talk about that. Anywho, Eddie Izzard has given an inclination, has given, has dropped a hint that he might uh, stand for Labour in Sheffield. That's Sheffield Central. Eddie Izzard, who's at 60 years old, apparently. I didn't know that. We're all getting old, aren't we? So Eddie Izzard, who is a man, absolutely a man, um, said, I, I, I might stand in Sheffield. And Rosie Duffield, the Labour MP from somewhere down south, is it Kent? I'm not sure where she is, Rosie Duffield. She says um, she said something about, something unkind about Eddie Izzard. That is, Eddie Izzard isn't a woman, blah, blah, blah. So, anywho, uh, during this Cole Keir segment, Nick Ferrari with Keir Starmer, they did hear from a woman who wanted to press the Labour leader, to press him on his feelings about Eddie Izzard possibly uh, competing for a female-only role. And I'm going to play all of this because... It's, it's a little bit long, but it's, it is quite interesting. I'm a former, former Labour Party member and I've always voted Labour all my life. Um, and I'm, I'm concerned, really, about the party's um, stance on women's sex-based rights. Um, there's some confusion over whether the party would or can use all women's shortlist to select candidates. But I think the important question for me and a lot of the um, women that I know and women within Women's Rights Network... Um, want to know is do you support all women shortlists and if so would someone like Eddie Izzard have a place on those shortlists? Well uh, Vic let me just um, set this out as a matter of principle starting with perhaps the obvious that um, you know for 99.9% of women everything is a matter of biology and um, I'm very very supportive of that. We have been the party of equality for women for many many years and lots of the changes in the laws um, in relation to equality have been because of a Labour government. I also believe strongly in the Equality Act and that means safe spaces for um, women and I myself worked hard when I was director of public prosecutions on issues of violence against women and girls. So she didn't ask him any of this now. She asked him a specific question. Does he support Eddie Izzard's right to put himself forward for a role that had been reserved exclusively for women? But he is obfuscating. Of course he is. He's a creepy, slimy politician. So I've, I've seen firsthand how important that is. But, um, Vic, what I, Vicky, what I wouldn't leave out of account is there is a small um, percentage, a small group of people um, 
who um, do not identify with the gender that they were born into. And they go through a huge amount of stress. If you talk to some of the parents of teenagers who are confused and and concerned and can't get the medical treatment they want. Now, have you ever seen Nick Ferrari, the LBC presenter, look at him, the big gelatinous, useless shit heap? At that point, it was... In, it was absolutely right and proper for for Ferrari to interrupt Keir Starmer and say, but Sir Keir, the NHS has gone on the record in the last few days to say that most children and teenagers who identify, um, you know, as other than their biological sex. So m- most of the children and teenagers who are boys but say that they identify as girls it's a phase they are going through the nhs has been very clear about this in recent days haven't they i could drag up the news story it got fairly wide coverage over the weekend but he didn't ferrari either because he doesn't know or his producer is useless but he should know that's his job i'll stop you there sir Keir. New information that's come to light, it's kind of bombshell information really, that's that most people who say that they're in some sort of gender crisis are actually going through a phase, you see. You know? Anyway. I want. Um, I think that we should be compassionate and we should recognise that uh, we already have a law in place for gender recognition um, that needs to be modernised. So that's in principle where I am on it, Vicky. But her question, Vicky's key question was, would you be in favour of all women shortlists? Well, we do have all women um, shortlists. Um, although there's some issue over all women shortlists, we've got nothing to do with this conversation, um, which is that once you've got, um, I think it's your 50% um, equality, then there's an argument about all women shortlists um, anyway. And so on that particular issue, um, Vicky, it's, you know, as a Labour Party, because we we have used all women shortlist to get um, now more than 50% of women. Um, there's a, a legal opinion that says we can't use them anymore. Um, this is a worry, actually. But would you support the right of Eddie Izzard to take a role that had been reserved for a woman? Very actually, more generally, Vicky. It's pretty straightforward, isn't it? Because I think it might mean we'll have, um, you know, we need to make sure that we keep promoting women coming, women coming through as candidates. Would Eddie Izzard qualify to be on the Labour all-women shortlist? Well done. Shortlist. Well, Nick, I'm not going to discuss individuals. Obviously, we'll look at each case as they come up, but I'm not going to discuss individuals on a programme like this. Well, one of your colleagues has, Rosie Duffield, has said she would leave the Labour Party. Quotes, I will not be a hypocrite. I won't lie down. I won't say that a man is a woman. Eddie Izzard is not a woman. I'm not. I'm absolutely not the only Labour woman MP who will leave. Can the- you believe that these clips are not parodies. Can you believe that you're not listening to a couple of comedians? Can you believe you're not listening to Monty Python? That this is real shit like. They're having a discussion about hairy old fucking Eddie Izzard pretending to be a woman using he, she, excuse me, using she, her pronouns. Can you believe they're having that discussion? And that Starmer is saying, I'm not going to get into individual cases. It's purely vaudevillian, isn't it? Leave the party if Eddie Izzard gets to an all-women shortlist. So I ask again, in the view of the Labour leader, you're the leader of the party, yeah. can Eddie Izzard be on an all-women <laughs> shortlist in the seat of Sheffield Central? Well, Nick, I'm not going to discuss individual cases. 
I'll save you any more of that. I'll save you from any more of that. There's one way to deal with Eddie Izzard and men like him, big hairy old bastards like him, who say they're a woman. Give him a short, sharp kick in the fucking bollocks and watch him crumble to the ground. And then ask him, as tears are pissing out of his eyes, are you a woman, Eddie, do you think? Stomp him in the nuts and that'll be the end of that. I'd like to disavow myself from my comments there four seconds ago. I don't like violence. I don't do violence. It's seven minutes to six o'clock. It's your Richie Allen show. <laughs> it's positively vaudevillian. And they're really trying to make this Keir Starmer dude um, look palatable, look uh, amenable, look uh, friendly and look like a regular bloke. Um, Ferrari even went so far as to ask him had he ever received detention when he was in school? Yeah. Shall we have a listen to that? Did you ever get a detention? I, I did get a detention, yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, what for? I did. Fighting. Fighting. <laughs> <laughs> Who did you fight? I Both of them are laughing because they know it's a lie. It's just a lie. Can't remember, but they're always... Don't give me that I can't remember shit. I had about 20 fights in school, in, in primary school and in secondary school. I, my record was about once... One seven, lost 13. <laughs> Something like that. I certainly wasn't a contender. But I remember every single one of them, including, you know, the names of, of the boys involved. And the girl, no, 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 no girls. A detention. I, I did get a detention, yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah, I did. Fighting. <laughs> Who did you fight? Lying bastard. <laughs> I can't remember, but they were always around the back of the sheds. You were a lying lad, weren't you? They were always around the back of the sheds, he said. The fights were always around the back of the sheds. There was, there was bits and bobs going on, yeah. yeah. And what was your sport did you excel in? Which sport football, did you... football, football, football. Lying bastard again. He couldn't kick a ball from here to there. It's, oh, it's really? always been. And I still play, Nick. I played I yesterday for 90 minutes. How'd you get um, on? We won, which is always a, it's a high mood on a Sunday afternoon if I've won. Did you score? Yes. No, you didn't. You couldn't score in a brothel if you had a fistful of £20 notes. Uh, at the football. But what I love about that is it's a, it's a group of players I've known for a long, long time. Nobody gives a stuff what you do for a living. It's just whether you're... <laughs> a decent, into the whether you're, of the Party. <laughs> well, um, a lot of, there's a lot of banter. And, uh, they are just shit, these people, aren't they? I go back to my earlier rant. They are just shit, these people. How could you believe any of these people? How could you keep going back? Don't go backwards, Richie. Go forwards. This is the Richie Allen Show. It's Monday's programme. It is, what time is it now? It's five minutes exactly, only five minutes to the top of the hour. I'm in a very self-indulgent and selfish mood today. So this is The Clash. And train in vain. Yes. From the album London Calling. Yes, The Clash. And uh, Train in Vain. On Monday's Richie Allen Show. Every single episode of The Richie Allen Show is archived at Podomatic.com. It's also available on most podcast providers. So if it's iTunes, if it's Spotify, if it's Podbean and all that jazz, you should get The Richie Allen Show there. You don't have to listen to it live, although I prefer that you do because then we can chat, we can engage. 
on the subject of fighting in school. Ian says, I only had three fights in school, Richie, but I remember each one clearly. I'm in my mid-thirties now. They think we're idiots. What a shower of shit these elitist snobs are, says Ian. Absolutely bang on, Ian. By the way, my my record wasn't as bad as that. I was being very self-deprecating there. I'm not saying it was great, mind, but it wasn't 1-7, lost 13. I think I did a bit better than that. Yeah, some funny fights over the years. I went to a school called St. Paul's Community College. I went to my, my, my secondary schooling was there. And St. Paul's Community College is surrounded by some good old-fashioned working-class housing estates. And I am from a working-class housing estate, and I'm very proud of it. I really am. You say, why, why are you proud of it, Richie? Well, I am. I'm proud of it. Grew up with some great people. The vast majority of people who grow up on on, on council estates are the best people. I, I mean this. The best people you'll ever meet. The most helpful, the most generous, the most decent people. And, and I stand by that. You know, I, I, I no fear of contradiction there. But um, there's always one or two families. <laughs> always. And there was a couple of families. Their names will not be mentioned because not every member of the families or the families in question were bad people. But they had some bad kids. And at one time, when I went to the secondary school, when I was in my second year, so I would have been like 14 years of age, one or two kids were so problematic and so feral and so violent that they left our year, they left the entire year out of school ten minutes earlier than, 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 than the actual letting out time. I think the letting out time was 4pm. They let us all out at ten minutes to four so that we could get a head start on the feral, scally, chavvy kids who would just beat the shit out of you as soon as look at you. That's a fact, that. I remember that. Remembered really well. The school just gave up trying to discipline these kids. Even excluding them was no good. So they left us out early. I think one teacher said, we won't exclude them because then they'll be waiting for you as as you leave class at four o'clock. So the best thing to do is keep them on the books, so to speak, and uh, we make sure you get a head start on them. Mad stuff. Hi to herself. Thank you for your message. Faisal says he could have just rephrased the question to generalise it. Would you be for a man identifying as a woman on an all-female shortlist? Yes. Clifton from Waterford says everything goes back to banking. Banking essentially funds and bankrolls every industry, so that would put it above every other interest. The central banks of every country control the banking systems, so they are the ones with absolute power over everything. There is another organisation you don't hear mentioned very often, the Bank of International Settlements, who, who basically, which is basically the central bank to the central banks. That's right, Clifton, 100%. The end goal of all of this, he says, is central centralised banking di- digital currencies. And he is absolutely right to say that. That is where we are heading. And if people believe that this agenda will somehow just go away when Keir Starmer is, is given the keys to number 10, they are sadly wrong. Brian Smith has been on. He says, Richie, we, we do need solutions now, uh, I have to say, other than not voting. 
other than refusing the vaccines, the masks, and refusing the digital currencies, um, and work and all of that, what can we do? I don't know, Brian. There aren't any very easy... Well, the very easy answer is, is that we don't comply. But for that to work, you need lots and lots and lots of people. Not scattered to the four winds, but lots and lots and lots of people living relatively close, living in relative proximity to one another. That's what you need. You know, if it's non-compliance, non-payment of taxes and, and local authority taxation and council taxes, it's going to need people who are pretty much joined at the hip. It's going to need people who live in the same areas to do that. But it's a tall order because it's a tall order to even begin to convince people, general people in general, your neighbours, shall we say, it's a tall order to convince them that this is going on. Some of you telling me that it isn't vaudevillian, it's Luciferian inversion. Might be. I don't know that it isn't. Chris Morell says, Starmer sounds like he could be our, that's the UK's Trudeau, or Ardern, that's Justin Trudeau, or Jacinda Ardern, Canada and New Zealand, respectively. Agenda 2030 rollout is on 100% acceleration. Yeah. Absolutely. Isabel says, if the BBG had an unlimited amount of money, I think he'd get himself a Mustang, which is racier than a Bentley. They even have electric Mustangs now, you know, just saying. Yeah, it's terrible they have a, an electric Mustang. A Mustang should be petrol engine, it should be six litres, eight cylinders, and it should be loud. They should be able to hear it in the next village. That's how they should be. Tim says, we live in the illusion of democracy. We are programmed from birth to believe in a system which requires following rather than leading. Uh, the word is inverted. Most people believe we live in an environment of freedom. I recall your guest, Jonathan Royal, that's the hypnotist and, and the writer. Jonathan Royal making a good case that most of us make far less original choices than we believe. That's good. Thanks for all of these messages as well. Uh, Tim, Ollie's granddad, I came on to say, meanwhile, they buried the inquiry into child sex abuse report last Thursday, uh, stating that one in kids, uh, one in six kids are victims in the UK and it's covered up with institutional denial. Talked about this last week with Marilyn Hawes. Rather sceptical of me to think, but is it possible that they waited that they tied in the Liz Truss resignation with the release of the report so that the report would get buried. Maybe. It might be a stretch, but maybe they did. I don't know. I can't prove they didn't. Absolutely right. Keep those comments coming in, please. It's richieallen.co.uk and it is comment live at the top of the page. Incidentally, the BBC, would you believe it, has uh, suspended... Uh, one of its own reporters, one of its own presenters called Martine Croxall. Uh, she she does a newspaper preview programme for the BBC. That's BBC News Channel Television at the weekend. And she got a bit carried away with herself when it was announced that Boris Johnson wouldn't be standing or wouldn't try to um, win the leadership of the Conservative Party and uh, return himself to number 10. She got a bit excited, did the lady? 
Well, this is all very exciting, isn't it? Hello and welcome to our look ahead to what the papers will be bringing us tomorrow. Am I allowed to be this gleeful? Well, I am. And joining us is parliamentary journalist Tony Grew and chief political correspondent at The Telegraph, Camilla Turner. We could not have two better guests tonight. She was, she was nice and gleeful at the information uh, coming to light that Boris Johnson wouldn't be standing. I feel a little bit sorry for her, to be honest. You know, the idea is here that the BBC is impartial and its presenters are impartial. Hello, Gary Lineker, anyone? Gary Lineker, anyone? Speaking of jog ears, Gary Lineker, anyone? The idiot who's paid a million and a half pounds a year to talk about football? So uh, the BBC hasn't been impartial for a long, long time. I would argue that she's a little bit unlucky, is uh, the lady. It's seven minutes past the hour. It's Monday's programme. So what I'm going to do now, a bit of a surprise, 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 is I am going to open the Skype line and the phone lines to the programme if you'd like to give me a ring. Uh, I should give you the details first before I do that to chat about some of this. If you did phone me, and I didn't give you any notice of this, if you did phone me last week, do not phone me today. It's not one of those programmes. It isn't parochial. We have a large audience. It is reflected in the phone-in. So please, uh, if you haven't done it before, get in touch with me, if you'd like, between now and the end of the programme, and we'll have a bit of a chat. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Talk to me now. It couldn't be any simpler if you'd like to do that. Of course, you mightn't like to do that, so it doesn't really matter. Right. What time is it now? It's eight minutes past the hour then. Here's uh, the Gypsy Kings for you and Byla May. Uh, Melissa Shumay is on the programme tomorrow. Mark Windows is on the programme this week. There are other guests as well. Uh, plenty of them. It's looking, uh, shaping up like a good week on the Richie Allen Show. At least I think so anyway. And I produced it, so I should know. This is Byla May. If you would like to get in touch, 0161-818-2018 or chat with Richie on Skype. It couldn't be easier. Cuando se marea dolore, cuando se quema d'amore. Gypsy Kings and Byla May on the Richie Allen Show. Here's the uh, telephone line jingly thing again. If you haven't jotted it down, I haven't. I might ask Raj to put it on Facebook, but maybe it's a bit too late now. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And we're going live to the mobile phone or a mobile phone number. Caller, welcome to the program. Who am I speaking with? Hello Hi, there. Good afternoon, Richie. It's Stephen. Hi, Stephen. Welcome. Where are you calling from? I tell you what I'm going to do, Stephen. I'm going to I'm going to drop the call and I'm going to call you back because the line is really bad. I'm guessing that Stephen is in rush hour traffic. That's what it sounds like to me. And the 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 uh, the line is not marvelous there. So I'm going to call him back because that's the magic of radio. That's the magic of live radio. I can call him back. And we can have a chat with him then. Uh, 0161-818-2018. It's chat with Richie, all one word. That is the Skype line. It's free to do it that way. I'm trying to call Stephen back. Are you there, Stephen? Are you there by any chance? Hi, Stephen. 
thanks for taking my call. It's really good to have you back. First of all, I missed you. <laughs> thanks very much, mate. I really appreciate it. And the line, the, the line's a bit better now. Thank God for that. What would you like to say? We've spoken, we've spoken once before, uh, several months ago. I'm a, I'm a joiner. I'm working in, uh, in Northern Ireland at the moment. Uh, no, I just wanted to make a couple of comments. I uh, some people deny that COVID exists. Um, I caught something in December, and I lost my taste and smell. Um, and I have still very, very limited taste and smell, almost 10 months on. So there is some sort of biological agent, in my opinion, um, that has affected a lot of people. And how, I mean, that, that must be a proper pain in the arse that you're, 10 months later, you're still struggling with that. I mean, how has that impacted on you in terms of eating and drinking and stuff like that, Stephen? I mean, I'm perfectly healthy, but I just, uh, you can't, it smells like the smell of walking through the forest or bread or, you know, a lot of foods. I can't distinguish easy smells like um, petrol or diesel. Um, a lot of the foods, I, everything sort of smells. I describe it to people like uh, like fairy liquid. The, 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 sorry, I shouldn't say any brands. Like washing up liquid, the... Um, there's a platinum one, and that's the only way I can sort of describe to people the sort of... It's almost a chemical smell, but all the smells are the same. I can I know there is a smell, but I can't distinguish them. I'll tell you where I miss it most. It used to be if I was making a sandwich, and I wasn't sure if either ham was good, they would take a wee sniff. <laughs> right, right, the old smell test to see if something is still fresh. Right, I'm with you, I yeah. Can't, I, can't, I can't do that. You can't do that. I have to ask my son or daughter here, take a sniff of that. Is that okay? Is that right? <laughs> and, and you're convinced that this is down to you having a, a nasty bug last December because it's it's been... Yeah, well, yeah. Go on. I mean, I, I had a very high temperature uh, for two weeks and didn't eat for two weeks. Lost my taste and smell right away. So whatever it was they call COVID, uh, I got it. And my, I depended on my God-given immune system to fight it off, and it did. The only thing I took was paracetamol and bed rest. And yet you're left with this issue with your taste and smell. And have you tried uh, to do anything about that, Stephen? Well, I'd like to put it out to your to your audience. Is there anyone can suggest um, anything that might that, that maybe help them if they had a similar condition? I'm sure I'm not the only one. Yes. And then yes another, j- just before just before you make your your next point, so listener, if you have any kind of um, knowledge of any, if you, if you have any suggestions for Stephen, do put them on comment live, please. Uh, th- that way Stephen can go on the website a bit later on. So anything to help with recovering your sense of taste and smell. Uh, genuinely sorry, because that, that's a nuisance, that. I mean, you've probably gotten used to it now after 10 months, but that's a, a proper nuisance. Well, so, I, I, I live and hope that it... it I, I, I did listen to an article about... Um, um, you see, venom, um, snake venom, whatever sort of a biological agent, uh, they manufactured it in such a way that uh, it was like um, the king cobra, I think, venom. So similar symptoms when you get bit by a king cobra, you lose your taste and smell. Right. Um, so the, one other, the second point, uh, thanks for taking the call, is my father is 84. And just recently he started to develop, um, he believes there are side effects to his third COVID shot. Uh, his um, he started it started with a pain at the point of of injection, and he thought it was then a, a frozen shoulder, and it's now um, 
made its way down his arm and there's a lot of uh, pain and swelling in his in his hand. He, was, he said to me, would it be arthritis? I said, you've never, you've never, he's a farmer, a big, fit, healthy man and he never had any problem health-wise for a lifetime until uh, I begged him not to take the jobs. How did that conversation go when you asked this big strapping man who's worked the land, who's fit, when you said, Stephen, Dad, you don't need that thing. It's not, you know, tried and tested technology. We don't know. How did he respond to that when you said that to him? Uh, he didn't believe that the government would um, would do anything that would harm us. Right. He thinks differently now. Does I, he now? What has he said? Well, he, he's convinced it is a side effect of the his third vaccination. Well, his third jab, I'm not going to say vaccination. He had two AstraZeneca and the third one he had was a Pfizer. And he believes more or less right away pain, pain at the point of injection. And it's, it's now, it's got to the point he's he's 84 and he's not going to be able to continue farming. He, he's, he's getting help now to to get dressed. Um, he, there's just things he can't do anymore. He's in that much pain and discomfort. Right, and so, that's, and so, so that's not because he's 84 and he's slowing down. No, that's no. down to the jab. He, he, he puts it down to the jab. And that, that's my father. I, another man, my brother's father-in-law, was a, again, a very fit, um, um, I'm not going to say pensioner. He was, he was the same age as my father. I'm not sure exactly what age he is, but uh, this gentleman would have walked, maybe would have went out of an evening and walked five or six miles around the golf course. And he, one of his hobbies was collecting lost golf balls. And he would have done that, and he now um, is on a stick, and then a lot of pain, and he's he's also putting it down to his uh, jobs. So they, so your dad, and and my my brother's father, and, and your brother's father, they won't have a fourth one. Do you think they just won't? Oh no, there's no chance. No chance. <laughs> I said I, I said to my dad, I didn't quite say I told you so, but um, I said, well, it's funny that all these people are getting all these funny side effects that the doctors can't explain blood tests have come up negative they can't they can't work out what it is see you have a lovely way about you i could imagine you chatting away and not roiling the person you're speaking to you know you yeah. don't sound dogmatic i think well it's my father He's, I'm, I'm his firstborn son and as i say i i I, I mem- members of my family. I went to them uh, on before they took their their jobs and said, "Please don't do it. It's, it's not safe. Um, it's unte- well, it's, it's untested, and, and it's it's. I didn't believe it was going to be effective. But I oh, I managed to persuade my own family, my wife and my two children, not to not to take it. And, uh, and I'm, I'm I'm thankful to God. Thank for God that. you did. And there's there not not to make it about me because it isn't about me. But there's my mother-in-law. In, in France, a very bright woman, a healthy woman, a gregarious woman, you know, full of life. Yes. She was definitely, she, she, she's had a heart issue since the second or the third one, I can't remember. But she mm-hmm. is going, she is going to continue having them. I, I counted. I mean, uh, yes, there, there are hundreds, um, I listen to UK column, dirty word maybe to you, but I listen to UK column and they do something regularly on the um, all-cause mortality, up fifteen, up 14%, 15%, no explanation. 
And those figures are very easy to, to find for anybody. Mm-hmm. I mean, anybody who's interested can go and look for that data on the government's own website. It's very simple. And you will find, you're right, that all-cause mortality is up since the introduction of these of these experimental things. And uh, that's... Wow. Can I put it out with you if you would inquire of your listeners if they know of other men in their 80s that have had... Um, um, I wouldn't say mild side effects, but side effects to the point that it's it's now limiting their lifestyle. It was like a uh, frozen and, shoulder, and you said, your dad. It began as a kind of a frozen shoulder, and it's left him without energy, you said, that he can't it, it, uh, even it, it, get dressed. It's swelling now right down his arm into his hand. His hand is maybe three times the size it should be. Three times the size it should be. Hmm. Again, listeners... It, 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 Use comment live on richieallen.co.uk if you have any answers. I want to go into the comment live and see if, if any of your listeners can would maybe suggest something that might help my father. Do, Stephen, uh, yeah. Remind me which part of... My, 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 my loss of taste and smell is, is very minor. I, I, I can live with that. But there, there is something out there. Those that say there's, there's nothing that's only made up. There's, there was something really stretchy, is my, my personal opinion. I agree with you. And you probably know that. Because back in... January, well, this late December, early January 2020, yeah, January 2019, December 2019, early January 2020, mm-hmm. I was in a pretty, pretty bad way. Yeah. And it wasn't your normal thing. It wasn't pneumonia. It was horrendous. I, I agree with you. There's something going on. A lot of listeners my father, told him, My father might have been in bed maybe two days in his life. Go on. For some sort of a sickness. But he's, he's, he was as healthy as a horse. If you know what I mean, he's a, one of these ones that would have, uh, you know, never been sick. And can I ask you before I take another call, Stephen? What is he doing to mitigate that? Is he is he taking anything or trying to, you know, to uh, to, to he help? With about cod liver, he talked about cod liver oil. He talked about um, uh, um, anti-inflammatory ibuprofen. But the, the doctors have got blank. I think he's he's, he's uh, on a waiting list to go. On. He said blood test, but he's on the waiting list to see if uh, he can do any other tests that might sign out. And does the doctor, does the GP think that it's the jab that's left him like that? I don't think McDad has had that discussion with the GP yet. He's still on a waiting list. And he, he, he thought he was going to see a doctor, but when he went, it was just to take bloods. Right. Um, I think that's typical of our health centre, of our health service at the moment. Um, yeah. It's quite hard to get appointments. Tell me about it. I've had it here as well, trying to get appointments and neighbours trying to get appointments. Go Thanks for taking my call. But if anyone could, you know, suggest something that might help me re-taste and smell and my father re- uh, if other people have had noticed or have loved ones that have similar swelling and pain in their, from the point of injection. Go to Comment Live if you've got any suggestions for Stephen. And because people will be listening to the podcast of this later on, they'll be leaving comments overnight as well, Stephen. So check back again okay. uh, tomorrow. Good to hear from you, mate. Thanks for uh, for getting in touch. Bye-bye, Richie. Thank you. Bye for now. Stephen there was in the north of Ireland. His dad is 84 years of age. I think he said he'd only been sick twice in his life. He was still working the farm. And he had his second or, or third jab. Forgive me now, because I was listening to Stephen. Did he say the second or the third one? Maybe the third one. And he, he's kind of gone downhill since then frozen shoulder. I think he said his arm now is three times the size it was. He's debilitated and he can't do what he was doing. He needs a bit of help even getting dressed. 
uh, richieallen.co.uk comment live or get in touch with the programme. Um, it's pretty simple. Uh, here are the contact details again. I'll give them to you now. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. And we're back to the mobile phones. Remember, you can Skype me. It's free. Call or welcome to the programme. Who am I speaking with? You're My on. gosh, he's actually speaking to me. How I, are you, Richie? I'm 100%. I am speaking to you. Welcome. Who am I talking to? This is Darren. I'm in the. Uh, I'm in Staffordshire. Darren in Staffordshire. Welcome to the show, pal. Nice to have you on. Um, well, you know how it works. Darren, the floor is yours. What would you like to say? Well, firstly, mate, I'm just really, really, like everybody else, it sounds like, uh, really chuffed that you're back on, mate. It's been, it was a long a long wait, it was a long haul, and we're glad you're back, mate. Thanks, Darren. But it's anyway, nice to say so. Go ahead. All right, I'll cut to the chase, and I hope, I hope to God I'm not um, going to be guilty of rehashing old ground. So I know that you've been concerned for a long time now, at the back of your mind at least, that, you know, we seem to have been covering, all, you know, one singular issue all this time, um, when so much is going on in the world. But, Richie, um, what's been really bothering me, uh, it's a twofold thing, really, mate. It's the fact that with all of the COVID hysteria that has been piling on and has been, you know, a, a, you know abusing our ears and our minds for so long now, it has bothered me on two fronts. It seems to have exposed... Um, and I don't mean this maliciously, it seems to have sort of exposed and brought to the surface a lot of closeted narcissism from our fellow human beings. And it's it, if you uh, get lost in it and get obsessed by it, it, can, it could really bring you down and depress you, you know. They all came out of the woodwork all at the same time all with this almost seemingly ostensibly programmed response of aggression and passive aggressiveness towards their fellow neighbour. And it was really depressing, Rishi. Remember that? Darren, remember that? Oh, I mean, I remember. God. And it didn't take long to come out, did it, Richie? It sort no. of it, it exploded. I remember. It. I remember the, when the lockdown started. I remember more learned men and women than me saying, wait till you see how quickly the curtain twitchers take hold and start phoning. Oh, God, yeah. And they were right, weren't they? They were absolutely they spot on. Were. They were right and then some, Richie. It was all of a sudden. It was uh, it was as though uh, the uh, the warnings of old, the warnings of yore, seemed to have come true. You know, yeah. it was almost biblical. <laughs> you know, today, Darren, I, I I see a lot of social media activity around Rishi Sunak, and it's presumably coming from Labour voters or Labour supporters. They're having a go at him for the. Eat Out to Help Out uh, initiative that he launched in 2021 to try and save, well, of course, the theory is he was trying to save the hospitality industry. Remember that? I remember we were on holiday in 2021 and we went to pay our lunchtime bill. We were outside with the dogs and the guy said to me, it's like £17. And I nearly died. I thought it was really cheap. I said, no, <laughs> you, you've forgotten something there, pal, I said to him. you know." And he said, no. He said, it's eat out to help out. He said, you get your second lunch course free or half price or something like that. So Starmer did this. Today, the people you're referencing are going after, it's, it's not Starmer, it's Sunak. They're going after him saying that, oh, don't 
don't don't make him the PM. He's the guy that killed people when he um, did the Eat Out to Help Out initiative, which saw lots and lots of people leaving their homes to go out and to eat in restaurants, and that caused COVID to uh, rebound and it killed loads of people. They're out there, these people. They're out there. These are not caricatures. These are real people. Madness. No, you're absolutely right, Richie. You're absolutely right. The thing is, though, Richie, you know, and I don't wish to, because I know you're on a, we're on a, we're on a, a the, the, the clock is ticking. But I know the thing is, though, is that those same people we've all been in, t- you know, in contact with, and we all we all know and live and breathe amongst them. And I don't want to other them. I don't want to sound like I heard myself. Then I thought I better pull back a bit. I don't mean to be that. I'm not being. I'm not taking a malicious line here. The thing is, though, is that, um, and I'll be very, very careful when I say this, mate. Um, I, I work, I, I, I'm cabin crew, and I will not mention the company I work for, for obvious reasons. And the thing is, though, is a lot of them seemed to, of, of the folks around me, and I, I love the people I work with, but there were certain, certain characteristics that seemed to have been exaggerated by this. And very early on, shortly after, the, um, after aviation started back up, um, what, about 14 months ago or whatever, when it really started back in, when people started to fly again, um, I entered the, I got to work one morning very early before a flight and, um, within three, within 30 seconds of, um, um, uh, there was only me in the room at the time. It was pitch black outside, you know, we're about to get rid of the crew started coming in and one of them was ranting the moment they came in screaming blue murder about, about, and this was right at the start of coming back, you know, um, or those that weren't getting vaccinated. He was going on a huge tirade, Richie. It was almost it was almost venom and bile, you know. It was horrible stuff about parents that wouldn't. Oh, it wasn't even it wasn't even invited. It sort of it sort of just it, it exploded the moment this individual came into the crew room, and there weren't many of us there, three of us. And he was going about parents that wouldn't get their kids vaccinated should have the social services on them, and oh, it was really quite nasty. And um, uh, he just, top of his voice as if there was an audience. And it's your opinion, Darren, is it, that that person isn't um, isn't uh, the exception? That's not the exception. You, you, you believe that this is widespread through society? The person who um, believes... I've got a feeling that it's far more prevalent than anyone might give it credit, you know? Um, yeah. I think there are those of us that may be in denial that hope it would go away or that it isn't quite as, as how it appears. But I think that this... this, this there's, there's a dark element to the human psyche and i have no qualification i have no i have no i have no portfolio to qualify my saying this i'm just a i'm just a normie if you will yeah but you know Um, you know what you see you're aware of what you see going on around you and i've heard i've i've seen a little bit of that you know i've i've been shouted at a couple of times in the last couple of years once for going into a record shop you know as i am without wearing one of these silly masks I've seen a bit of it as well, and I have seen quite a lot of it on social media about how people should be denied the right to to basically participate in society. Should didn't one of the New York uh, mayors or governors was it Cuomo who said that if you don't have your jab, you're not you're not a good citizen, therefore you shouldn't be allowed to participate in society. And I know that had a lot of approval in New York. A lot of New York, um, you know, citizens, for want of a better word, they agreed with this. So yeah, I I I'm prepared to accept that. And you know, we might see more of this this coming winter. They're already saying, 
that they cannot cope and it's only mid-October, late October. They can't cope in the hospitals. They're going to have a twindemic, they're calling it. I love these new speak terms, a twindemic of flu and COVID. So it won't be long before people start looking for, seeking out, you know, their colleagues and their neighbours who haven't had the flu jab to criticise them. I will never buy into that line either. I will never, ever accept that, uh, that, um, that sensational uh, line that I can't believe that, you know, our fellow human beings are so still so ostensibly blindly subscribing to. And it only seems as though it's when they're prompted, if they hear a certain tagline or a read a byline somewhere, yeah. that's enough. They're triggered and they're off on it again. It's a party line and it's, it's ugly. And it's, it, if I didn't know any better, it would be mortifying, petrifying, in fact. Yeah. Darren, really good call, pal. Thanks for that in Staffordshire there. So are you, you you've not mentioned the carrier and you, of course you, you won't do that. So are you, no, are you working at the moment? Are you away this weekend? Are you flying? What's, what's happening? Well, um, yeah, I mean, as soon as the uh, thing started back up, I was brought back into the fold like many thousands of others, although thousands of others were still held up or, or fired or, you know, be that as it may, but many of us came back and I came back very, very soon, um, as soon as though the, uh, the gates were opened again. And I've been I've been flying constantly since then. There have been lots of restrictions uh, in, in, for folks like myself, though, Richie, because I'm one of those dirty, dirty anti-vaxxers, if you will. I'm not an anti-vaxxer. <laughs> it's a terrible phrase. It's very it's very uh, disingenuous that phrase. But um, I I just haven't, and I I, I shall not be getting it. And um, maybe uh, there's a reason that they haven't. Um, in my in my case, for those who I the, the, they who I work for haven't outright said if you don't get it you can't work here anymore. I find it quite interesting, and um, and I'm not being um, there's there's no, I'm, there's no smugness in my in my sentiment here. It's just um, yeah, it's it's interesting that I'm, I'm I've survived if you will that I've ma- I've can, I've maintained and retained my career. I love what I do, Richie. I love what I do, um, and um, I'm fortunate that at least on the surface. Um, the, my, my powers that be haven't taken that hard uh, that hard almost and I don't you know, want God. to depress you at all but very quick final question is it something sure. that keeps you awake at nights sometimes do you worry they might do it um, every every day he's gone is he Darren uh, it looks like also it petrified. my miss is that she thinks that maybe one day they may say sorry mate you got to go. I don't see it happening, but I'm always cognizant of its of its. Of but the you're, prospect, you're prepared you know? for it, Darren. Yeah. Great call, mate. Really good call. Thanks for getting in touch. I really appreciate hey, it. Thanks a lot, Richie. Thanks so much, mate. And hey, God bless you, mate. And you carry on, all right? You do. You do. You and you too, Darren. Mate, okay. Cheers, buddy. Thanks for that. Interesting. That. Do you have you seen that? Have you seen? A, I mean, not for a while now. I saw a bit of this. I saw a bit of this back at the beginning of it. You know, these ugly people who were, you know, very vocal about those of us that didn't wear the masks and very vocal about those of us that didn't have the jabs. You know, almost, um, not, you know, beyond bitter, almost malevolent, you know, showing malevolence towards those of us who didn't go along with the nonsense. I mean, have you seen any of that? Interesting stuff, this. It's uh, 23 minutes to the top of the hour. Here are the contact details. There is another call. A standby caller. I'll be right with you in a moment. It's uh, the Richie Allen Show, Monday, the 24th of October, 2022. Yeah.
Cheers. It's your call. Skype. Chat with Richie. Or call 0161 818 2018. If you're calling from overseas, it's plus 44 161 818 2018. Talk to Richie now. Yeah, I'll take it the next caller in 30 seconds time. Colds, seasonal flu and respiratory diseases, a nuisance, but we all get them. Now more than ever, it is essential to have a robust immune system. Inspired by the Zelenko Protocol, Immune X365 is a unique formulation that combines effective levels of vitamins D3, C and K2, as well as zinc and quercetin. Take back your health with just two capsules of Immune X365 every day. As a special launch offer to UK listeners of The Richie Allen Show, you will receive a discount of 15% by using the code RichieAllen365 at checkout. Go to immunex365.co.uk to get yours now and with free two-day track delivery. Now, welcome back. And there is another caller on the line. Caller, you're very welcome to uh, Monday's show. How are you? Who am I speaking with? Hello, Richie. This is Gabriel from Aberdeenshire. Hello, Gabriel from Aberdeenshire. You have got the most beautiful voice. Absolutely oh, thank you gorgeous. So much. It's yeah, gorgeous. I'm really glad we got through. You never really expect to. Well, thanks. And I'm glad you did get through. I imagine it's getting a little bit chilly in Aberdeenshire. Just a it little bit. It is, yeah. The wood burner's been on for a couple of weeks, so we're co- we're cosy enough for the moment. But uh, how long will that last, we don't know. The, yeah, absolutely. And wood burners. What, is, is this? There is one. We've got one, but I've never used it. Would you believe that? With the, the, oh. <laughs> never use it. This house. Oh, that, maybe it doesn't get that cold in Manchester, then, eh? No, it doesn't. No, but you know, with the skyrocketing prices of gas and electricity, particularly gas, mm-hmm. obviously, um, mm-hmm. we're surrounded. They're yeah. all jumping on the bandwagon, so the price of logs and coals going rocketing here now as well. And do you do a bit of foraging for your um, wood, for the wood burner? Do you go out and about picking up bits of wood and stuff? Funnily enough, occasionally I do, yeah. If I'm out of logs, I'll, I'll go down to the woods at the bottom and, and drag some wood up. <laughs> Why not? No, a neighbour of ours... Uh, from, from, from the Fallowfield part of Manchester. He was very good at doing that, going out and about in the countryside and picking up bits of, you know, bits Absolutely. of fallen trees and yeah. stuff. Anyway, Gabriel, Absolutely. lovely to have you on. What would you like to say? What, what did you come on to talk so, about? Well, it's great to have you back. And the last couple of callers were really interesting as well, specifically the, the second last one, whose, whose father was a, a strapping farmer. Stephen, yeah. Um, yeah. I was interested in that because I lost my father last year, two days before Christmas. And um, he he was another one that just w- wouldn't listen, no matter how much I tried to sort of say it's maybe not the best idea. Give it, give it a wee bit of time, you know. Um, but in the end, yes, he went for the, the triple shot as well and, and didn't last much longer after that, really. Um, and are you sure so, that, first of all, it, it, me saying I'm sorry doesn't mean anything, but I am sorry for you. It must be terrible. I know, I know. Did... I know. Um, are, are, are you are you sure that the shots or the jabs contributed to his passing? Of course you can never be 100% sure about anything, right? But he definitely was fine. Um, he walked a mile a day. He didn't have any underlying health conditions. He wasn't young. He was 70, 77, 78. Um, but he certainly went downhill after that. And specifically after that third one, um, and yeah, it was just, he went and got shopping one day, got got shopping in the car and just took a massive brain bleed and, and that was it, never opened his eyes again. And um, 
on a kind of intuitive level, you, you, you feel these things, you know. Well, we have heard quite a bit about clotting with these jabs. And when, when you, just when you said their brain bleed, that raises mm-hmm. a red flag anyway, Gabriel, doesn't it? Even if it wasn't the cause, it should be investigated that. Well, it should. And when I arrived at E and E, I sort of said, "This is this is very odd." You know, he was opening Christmas presents with my daughter yesterday, and and I'm I'm a bit bamboozled by all this to see what the sort of reaction of the the surgeon would be. And he said, "Oh, you know, he was an old man. Like anything as simple as a sneeze could cause this." That's what he said, and I just felt like that was a very odd thing to say. <laughs> Something but, as um, simple as a sneeze could cause him to have basically a brain hemorrhage. Exactly. That's what. That was the first thing he said to me, and I just thought, well, I'm not not buying that at all, you know. But uh, apart apart from my own father, I, I know lots of people who have ended up with heart problems and well, all sorts of problems. And 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 you see more and more now that that, that people are actually starting to just drop. It, it seems to be speeding up a lot um, and also slipping into the mainstream a bit sometimes the, the reporting of it it is isn't it um, I, I noticed when I was on my my break my unplanned break I noticed that GB News um, mm-hmm. one of their presenters did a bit of a rant on why there wasn't any investigation into the vaccine injuries. I don't know if he's still on air. I think he might very well be still on air. But yeah, that was that was intriguing that, you know, uh, basically a, a, a mainstream media news channel would even would even allow a presenter to get into would that. Would even touch it, exactly. Yeah. But you just see it slipping in more and more and you think, well, is it going to, to get some momentum? Is there going to be more, you know, people realising... That there's obviously something very odd going on. People don't just drop around like that, drop dead like that around. You know, it's just, especially when, if you're in, in any groups or anything, what you'll notice is people will know maybe four or five or six people that have got ill or or one or two of them have died. And that's people within their, you know, their circle. Yeah. And that's very unusual for that to happen in a person's life where they'll, they'll lose so many people or get a lot of sick relatives in such a, a short space of time there, you know? The the comments are going crazy on, on, on live comment. I, I, Jean I, Ann, my, my mate in, in, in Connemara in the west of Ireland, she, she yes. just said to me there that if we did a phone-in on this topic specifically... We might be mm-hmm. inundated with people if we threw the lines oh, open tomorrow or, oh, yes. or, or oh, you would you wouldn't yes, you would be. You absolutely would be because it's it's picking up a hell of a pace now. And but of course a lot of people who listen to you have, have been skeptical from the get go and have sort of followed the thing the whole way along, you know. Yeah. But they're even even I feel surprised now at how, how it's picking up this pace and it's not more in the MSM, you know. They're still trying hard, I think, to to suppress it. But just like Stephen earlier, did you mention mm-hmm. to to uh, to to your dad, you know, prior to the jabs, that look, dad, these things are new and they're a bit experimental, and maybe you don't yeah. need them. You had those conversations and with other people. Uh, I did, I did, but you know, we got into arguments, and I just let it go because. Basically, he was of, of the generation. Well, he just had his radio in his house. He listened to 
to, you know, certain channels and the same with the TV. And he, he just got absolutely bombarded. And it was just, I knew I just wasn't going to get through to him. It was just going to cause more arguments. So I just had to let him do what yeah. he was going to do. But I know before, you know, a few weeks before he died, he knew he was going to die because he sent, you know, um, some messages to relatives and things about what he wanted at his funeral. So and, and also I could just tell, even though he never said it, he didn't articulate it, that he sort of regretted it and knew that that he shouldn't have actually got them, you know? You think he was feeling unwell in himself, like he knew yeah. that he was going downhill? Absolutely, he knew, yeah, because it was only a matter of two or three weeks and he started spending what he'd like played at his funeral and stuff. And like I say, he was quite a robust man, you know? He, he was fine, he was walking a mile a day and all that sort of stuff, so... So when Stephen yeah. said that about his dad, it rang a bell for you because your dad was fit and active. And, and that's then, right. That's job. really why I called. Um, I mean, God, I could talk all night about what's been going on, as everyone could. Gabriel has just dropped out a little bit there. Uh, sorry about that, Gabriel. We just we just lost the last five seconds of what you were saying there. Just uh, you just dropped ah, out. Okay. I was just saying it was really, really good to talk to you. It's great to have your show back on. And, um, yeah, I don't want to take up too much time because I know you've got a lot of callers. No, you can take up as much time as you want. That was very important. Though. Thanks for sharing that with us, Gabriel. And, and genuine, okay. genuinely sorry for you, but it's important that people say these things and tell these stories, I think. you know. I think it is, too. And it's it's one thing saying it to one or two people, but it's good for a lot of people to hear it because it'll resonate with a lot of people as well. No doubt about that. Well, listen, wrap up warm in Aberdeenshire. Get out and do a bit of foraging for some logs. <laughs> okay, Richie. It was lovely to talk to you. Thanks My pleasure. so much. Thanks, Gabriel. My pleasure. Gabriel in Aberdeenshire there. Lovely to chat with her. It's uh, 13 minutes to the top of the hour. Yeah, Jean Ann said, um, in, in her opinion, if, if we go to the listeners on this topic and this topic only on on injuries and and worse with the jabs we we might fill uh, some hours yeah we can do that we can do that next week I, i'd need to promo that though you know i'd need to give plenty of advance notice so that you could put it out on social media that there will be a live radio program where you can come on and talk about your relatives or parents or sisters and why you believe the jab has um, had a negative impact on their health or or worse, God forbid, 12 and a half minutes to 7 o'clock. It is Monday's Richie Allen Show. It's flying by. Um, shall I take a, I'll take a tune. I will, I will, I will. I'll take a tune. And uh, we probably have time for one or two quick more calls if you want to try and get in. Yes, music. Gabriella Silmi and Sweet About Me on The Richie Allen Show. RichieAllen.co.uk That is my website. And I'm sticking with it. Chris, Chris Morell says the World Cup in Qatar is going to be interesting. Heart attacks on the pitch and in the crowd at every match, he asks... I'm not sure we'll have heart attacks on the pitch and in the crowd at every match, Chris. But you never know, do you? Craig came back to say too many GB news or too many CGB news is right wing and refused to engage with anything it reports. 
unless it's to ridicule it. Such is the state of mentality in our nations. I know this because a colleague dismissed a Telegraph article simply because of its supposedly political allegiance. Yes, Craig, I agree, short-sighted. I read The Guardian and I read The Independent. I, I read everything. I shouldn't really maybe read any of them, but but yes, you're absolutely right. I see quite a, a lot of that as well. Uh, John Heffernan says, if these jabs aren't killing people, they are definitely accelerating whatever little ailments they might have. Sasha says, Stephen needs to be taking zinc and selenium supplements to help regain his taste and smell. Pine needle tea as well. Chewing small pieces of ginger and of course a little bit of black seed oil daily. Thank you so much, Sasha. Julia says, my sister is in accident and emergency. Uh, three days post-booster with chest pain and sky-high blood pressure. Never went to the doctor before, before now, uh, and was on two medications. Loads of infections among the triple jabs that I know. A friend has had four miscarriages, says Julia. A colleague who does bank work in care homes said that three residents died the other week a few days after their flu jab. That's Julia. Uh, thanks for your uh, message there, Julia. Thank you. I'm loading the page to read some more of them now. Bear with me a little bit. It was Mark Steen on GB News, according to Chris, uh, and is under Ofcom investigation for questioning the jab. Mark Steen is still on air. Is that right? For asking questions about government, the government's own data. Yeah. Because it's on the government's website. I mean, clickbait merchants, clickbait merchants and fake news merchants take what's on the government website, they make a website out of it and they claim it as their own investigatory work, which it isn't. It's just clickbait nonsense. You don't have to go to some fake news website to see what's going on with the jabs. You'll get it straight from the horse's mouth on gov.uk. It's right there. Tens of thousands of people have reported that the jabs have seriously injured either themselves or someone they know. And not just seriously injure them, but worse, kill them. It's all there. So it is absolutely ridiculous that Ofcom, that's the the regulator for the, broad, the broadcast media here in the UK, it is preposterous of them to investigate Mark Steen because all Steen is doing is saying, why are we not suspending the rollout of these jabs when it is obviously causing, the jabs are causing huge problems and negatively impacting on the general health of the nation. Why are we not looking into it? Is all that Steen or Stain, I don't know how you pronounce his surname, he's asking. Diane says we've lost friends over COVID, not so much nasty, but fearful and judgmental. And how they are not doing so, and now they're not doing so well. I tried to warn them, but of course I'm not a doctor. These were not unintelligent people either. But fear makes intelligence irrelevant, says Diane. Absolutely. Scottish Al says, my dad's 82. He had a blood clot on his lung shortly after the second jab. He spent a week in hospital and is now on blood thinners for the rest of his life. He also now needs a stent fitted in his kidney, which may also be another side effect of the jabs. I can't believe 
the doctor let him take another booster after this, says Scottish Al. It is maddening, Al, isn't it? Patricia says, sadly, people who didn't do their own research into the experimental shots, uh, experimental shots on humanity, Patricia says, sadly, people who didn't do their own research into these experimental shots on humanity, they actually believed these people. They believed the bullshit on the lamestream media. Stop the spread. Even if you don't want the shot for yourself, do it for the people that you love, says Patricia. Remember all that? Yes. Do it for granny. Yeah, you know, be responsible. Take the shot and help to keep other people safe, which was nonsense, as Patricia quite rightly points out. The question is, says Patricia, who is to blame? The lawyers or the people who blindly believed them? That's a very good question. Uh, Patricia Deacon says, I'm just listening to Darren, and it's brought me right back to that time when my friend started saying it was because of the unvaccinated that we still had a problem with COVID. I wasn't allowed to sit inside with friends because they thought it was they thought it was okay. I wasn't allowed to sit inside with friends and they thought that was perfectly reasonable, says Patricia Deacon. I'm wondering if there's something wrong with me as they are still my friends. No, no, it's good. It's good that you are still friends with them. We mustn't allow these demons drive a wedge between us and our family and friends. We must not do that. It's very important. That, dear listener, is just about it for the programme. Thank you for listening to it. I mean... When you think of, um, you know, people going to get jobs even though they've already been injured uh, by the jobs, you've only really, you've really only got to remember this. I had the vaccine. It put me in hospital for a day. But I haven't moaned. I've had the second one and it put me in hospital for another day. But I'd much rather have that than COVID. We're developing. Had the vaccine. Put me in hospital. Had the second one. Put me in hospital. But I'd rather have that than COVID. Remember that dickhead? And he went on to say this, that even though he's stupid enough to keep getting jabbed and going back to hospital, they should reserve hospital beds exclusively for people like him and not for those who chose not to have the jabs. Why on earth should somebody who has refused to have it take a bed that I might need if I have a bad reaction to it? Fuckwit of the year 2021, Matthew. Hey, listen, thanks to the callers. Thanks to you for listening. Speak tomorrow, Tuesday at 5 o'clock. Closing out with Boyzone. Enjoy the rest of your Monday. Bye.